Last week we began the question, began with the question of what is the gospel? <laughs> it's a rather large question. Today we're going to be looking at how do we receive the gospel? How do we put the gospel into practice? How do we experience God's good news? So these are some rather weighty, important, big questions. They are foundational to the discipleship culture that we're talking about, that we believe God is desiring to continue to build here in this local church family. <laughs> Only because you had a birthday this weekend, that's allowed. <laughs> Good man. So let's do a quick lightning review here. Given the weight of this question, what is the gospel and how do we put the gospel, the good news of God, into practice? Lightning review from last week. I mean, this is not just a foundational question for this series. This is really the question of life. <laughs> what is the good news that God has? Let's go straight to the lips and the words of Jesus. In Mark 1, 14 and 15, it says that Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel. The good news of God. If you're not familiar, gospel simply means good news. Saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe in the gospel. So the summary of God's good news, according to Jesus, Jesus' own gospel that he preached, is that the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. So lightning fast, there's a few words there that are so key. Time. Jesus is not talking chronological time, where you get up in the morning and you expect the same old status quo, no change, no growth, no transformation. That's not the gospel. He uses the word kairos, which is an appointed time. Think of it in our minds. It's something that has the sense of pregnant with possibility or divine potential. Like the status quo is the opposite. It's not the status quo. It's not the same old, same old. It's that there is a, a power in the air to bring healthy change, growth, transformation. God has designed this moment to be about heaven, touch, and earth, as we just sang. And so we get the privilege to wake up every day in this era now where we can fully trust and believe that there is divine potential to encounter God today. The time is fulfilled, Jesus says. The kingdom of God is at hand. And the best way to understand the kingdom of God is from Jesus' own lips, Matthew 6.10, where he says, as it already is in heaven, so also on earth. You know the prayer. He taught us to pray the kingdom. May your kingdom come. May your will be done as it already is in heaven, so also on earth. That's the heart of the gospel right there, that the kingdom of God would come, that it's right here at hand. And that, that spatial term, at hand, only is meant to increase us in our expectation and our excitement. Jesus is saying it's right here within reach. God's will for your life, God's good news is that as it is already in heaven, so also on earth, meaning all of heaven wants to transform all of earth. 
meaning nothing outside, nothing in your life, not one thing, not nook, cranny, or corner, not one pain, not one area of brokenness, not one hurt, not one wound is outside the scope of God's sights for redemption. As it already is in heaven, so also on earth. It's this massively broad, all of heaven transforming all of earth. All of heaven transforming all of your life. All of it. There is no better news. Find better news than that. You can't. Jesus brings that gospel. And then he says, so repent and believe in the gospel. And that's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on this is our response Repent and believe are not part of the gospel. They are how you respond to the gospel. That's why Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe in the gospel. Meaning, I just told you the gospel. It's the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. So your job, your response, in order to grab hold of that gospel that's at hand, is repent and believe. That's your part in the relationship. God has gone through heaven, through hell, and rose again to make this gospel available, to make it possible, to be right here at hand. He's done his part in the relationship. He's initiated. He's done far more than we ever could. But it's a genuine relationship. So a response on our part is required. Repent and believe in the gospel, Jesus says. So last week we began to look at that, and this week, we're going to drill down into some, <laughs> as Nacho Libre would say, get down to the nitty-gritty. Thank you, babe. That was a, that was a holy injunction there. It's kind of like in our house, you know. That's, uh, there's some sacred movies. <laughs> must be inspired by the Lord. Anytime you quote them, you must be feeling God's presence. That's one of them. Yes. But it is, it is getting down into the nitty-gritty of what is it, in some ways, what are the mechanics to drill down into daily life if we say, hey, you know what, okay, I want to repent and believe. That's, that's how I grab hold of the good news. What does that look like in, in the nitty-gritty of everyday life? And we're really going to drill down into that today. But one broad sweep of it before we get there. We have to get rid of this idea that repent is a bad word. It has bad connotations for understandable reasons because of the caricatures that we've seen of it in our culture. But the word itself just means to change our mind. Metanoia. It means to change your thinking. In other words, God has great news that you don't have to live under the, the broken thoughts of this world, the lies of the enemy, the lies of the culture, the things that hold us back from living into the fullness of the abundant life that God wants for us. God wants to be renewing our mind with his good news. And, and so we have the privilege to repent. Repentance is an unskippable part of the journey of encountering more of God. It's, the, it's an unskippable part of heaven transforming our life. But it doesn't need to have a bad connotation. In fact, with a humble disciple's heart, it's simply a learning mindset. It says, God, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. So I'm going to walk through life wanting you to transform my mind with your truth. So I'm going to ask a question all the time. God, what are you saying to me? 
And that becomes one of the, the two key disciple-minded questions for the rest of life. We'd never get over this question. What are you saying to me, God? That's kind of that broad repentance mindset. It's really not that painful, right? <laughs> it doesn't need to be. It's not a dirty word. It's actually exciting. I walk through life saying, I want to repent. God, give me opportunities. Show me where I can repent. What are you saying to me, God? Because to the degree that I repent, I'm going to encounter more of heaven. I want to exchange my broken life for more of heaven. Repentance is the way to get there. It just means changing our mind with God's truth. And then the, then the other aspect of it is the belief. Belief simply means you trust something so much that you put it into action. So if we believe in prayer, it's not simply this mental assent that like, oh, I like the idea of praying. It sounds good. No, if you believe, it means you actually trust something so much you're going to pray. So when you get in a situation where you know that you need heaven to transform earth, you pray because you believe that it's actually going to make a difference. You act on it. Pistuo, the Greek word, is trust that produces action. And that question really then becomes, what am I going to do about it? So there's these two questions that we give credit to, to our mentor, Mike Breen, who made this learning circle out of the gospel message where we really can be disciples for the rest of our life until Jesus takes us home or returns and ask two questions by the power of the Spirit. We'll get into that in a moment. God, what are you saying to me, and what am I going to do about it? That is repent and believe so that we grab hold of more of the kingdom of God that is available each and every day of life. And just for those of you who are new, this is one of our discipleship tools. It's an absolutely foundational tool to us because it's the gospel. The gospel is the foundational tool of life. And so don't get freaked out if you're new. This is just a visual tool straight up because Mike Breen grew up with dyslexia. So he's a visual learner. So as he's studying God's word and he's like, how can I remember this well and pass it on to others because I'm not good with words? God gave him a, a, a creative mind to put it into a picture. So don't worry, this is not the occult and we're not occultic practitioners over here. This is just a visual tool, okay, to try to remember things. This is... This is, I think, a really cool, creative way of putting a Bible verse into visual memory. The kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled. So repent and believe in the gospel. So there's this kairos moment. You're going through the chronology of life. That's kind of the left to right arrow in that tool. Left to right is chronology. You wake up every day. It's a new day. Chronology, time is ticking. But God says kairos moments are all around you. The time is fulfilled. There is divine potential in each day if you'll look for it. And how do you do that? Repent and believe. What is God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? And you begin to learn how to be a, a learner, a disciple. That's what disciple means. Walking through life with that Holy Spirit radar on. Wanting to learn and grow to repent and believe. And as we do that, we get transformed. And the only thing I don't like about that visual picture is as we walk through the circle, we should, we should come out a little bit higher. Like 2 Corinthians 
3, 16 to 18 says, as you behold Jesus, you get transformed from one degree of glory to another, and it spirals upward in transformation. More of heaven on earth, more Christ-likeness. And so that's just a tool to help us remember those things, but it's just all Bible. To go put it back in the Bible, let's, let's remember Jesus' words at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, where he preached the greatest kingdom of God sermon that's ever recorded about the specific ways that heaven can transform earth. Like go back and read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7, with the lens of this is Jesus describing as it already is in heaven, so also on earth. This is Jesus describing the kingdom of God, what it looks like for his reign to break in and transform the broken reality of of earth. So all of the beatitudes that are so famous, that's when heaven transforms the brokenness of life. All of it are pictures that Jesus paints about the divine potential, the possibility that is right at hand of the kingdom of God transforming our life. And then at the end of it, after painting all these different pictures about the spheres of life, he talks about money, he talks about lust, he talks about marriage, he talks about worry, he talks about provision, he talks about all this nitty-gritty stuff of life and talks about the possibility of the kingdom transforming it. And then at the very end, what does he say? Very famously, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house, his life, on the rock. Let me submit to you that that is repentance and belief. Anyone who hears these words of mine, that's the repentance. So Jesus just painted a bunch of different pictures about the life of God that's possible, the kingdom of God that's possible, that transforms the status quo. In other words, he's trying to change our minds about what's possible in life. He's trying to bring repentance about what is possible in this life when God reigns in our life right now. Do you hear me? Jesus is saying that's repentance. If you hear what I'm saying, if you have that repentance where your mind gets lined up with the truth and possibility of heaven, if you hear me, he's saying, and you what? Put it into practice. That's the belief. You trust so much, you do something with it. You put it into practice. You don't keep it in the world of ideas of like, oh, that's a nice sermon, Jesus. What am I going to do by Tuesday morning? Forget it. No, Jesus says, if you keep it in the world of ideas, you've got nothing. You take that transformed mind and you go put it into practice in life, in community, and then you are building your life on the rock. You are going to see a transformed life over time that is the kingdom of God in your midst. And when others around you are crashing and burning because life is hard, your life will be standing tall, a city on a hill, a light of the world, because you are built on the rock of Jesus Christ. That is the kingdom of God in a transformed life. So that's that little picture of the learning circle now back in the Bible. So there it is in summary. 
I think something really powerful to keep in mind is that our entire life as Christians is redefining our life, what truth is, our mindsets with his. And so I think it's especially powerful even that these very words, as they have been interpreted in modern-day Christianity have, um, that we've been discussing, repent and believe, have not even been interpreted correctly from the biblical point of view and from the original Greek. Repent does not mean be filled with shame and horror and regret. Godly sorrow leads to repentance and resurrection life when we acknowledge the dead places in us. So I just think there's a power in even just kind of putting putting in a, you know, in a fire of sacrifice, of burning worship to God, the lies that we have been fed, you know, as the American Christian church, that repent is rising up from the ashes with the wings of God, being lifted up from the pit up to a mountaintop, being given new eyes to see that he's transforming us as we look at him from one degree of glory to another, and that he's not a father that's scolding us and, and putting shame upon us. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save. So, so I think it's just, just beautiful and powerful to allow the lies that the enemy has used on the vi- upon the very words open up our gospel, to allow those lies to burn up in a fire of worship and in the fire of the truth of what they actually mean. And the same with believe. Believe and belief in America has become one of the, to be quite frank with you, lamest and most powerless phrases. I believe in God. So that when someone says they believe something, it actually doesn't mean anything because it's not putting it into practice. Will you believe in God? What does your daily life look like? Do you, are you in beautiful, lavish communion with your heavenly father or you just believe in an idea? It's, a, it's, it's become a lifeless, meaningless mental ascent to an idea that means literally nothing to you, right? And so I think there's something really powerful in worship right now. As we come and we say, Lord, transform me with your truth, with the true fire of your gospel, and what it means to live that out in the redeemed nature that you have given to all of us by the power of your cross. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to put up now the very detailed, nitty-gritty picture of the learning circle where we're going to drill down into the practicals, which is in your lift notes. But before we get there, one more big-picture caveat. As we drill down into the nitty-gritty details of what it might look like to walk through repentance and belief, in daily life, asking, what is God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? 
let's not get lost in the, min- the minutiae and forget or disregard that we are utterly and absolutely convinced that this entire process has to be Holy Spirit-led and empowered. Meaning, as practical as it is going to get, this does not mean that we're doing this on our strength with our ideas and our striving. Not at all. Where we're going to end up at the end is this whole thing is meant to take us to the exact same place where the Apostle Paul, the great and mighty, strong and competent, in every way, the Apostle Paul made a gospel declaration that the hope for his life, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, is that he discovered this. Jesus saying to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in you in your weakness. And so that's the heart that we come to this with. That this whole process is us ultimately surrendering to God, saying, I don't have it together. I can't do this on my own strength. I need you every step of the way, God. I hear you. I hear this abundant life, this gospel of the kingdom that you're making possible but it has got to be your spirit with me, empowering me, leading me, helping me every step of the way. Does that make sense? And that is actually in the Matthew 7 verse that you referenced, which I would like to point out, and it's one of my favorite portions. So we just went over Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built, wise man or woman, um, who built his house on the rock. Now, if you go up a few verses to Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay, Jesus, what's the will of my Father who is in heaven? That's my question. (laughs) Um, We go on to verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. So in that verse, you have what would appear to be disciples doing mighty works of God. But somehow Jesus is saying, they're not doing the will of my Father who is in heaven. And the reason for that is because his words, I never knew you. You're doing these works, and I never knew you. So that, pre- that precedes everyone who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. Because it's about intimacy. And since Jesus left the earth, he left us with the Spirit. And our intimacy and our communion is the key to that transformation. And without it, we miss the very point to our existence. So I just think it's actually beautiful that even in the Matthew 7 verse, in Matthew seven twenty four. 24, um, 
you know, when Jesus is talking about putting the works into practice, that it is by no means ever supposed to signify that we are to do these things in our own strength, by our own interpretation, and with our own mindsets. We are to always be in communion, knowing him, in fellowship with him, to where that Holy Spirit within us is constantly at a place that is teeming with life and overflowing so that he is bringing revelation to our eyes day by day. And that one degree of glory to another is the fruit of our life on a moment-by-moment and day-by-day basis. Beautiful. Okay, let's get into the nitty-gritty of repent. Sober observation, brave reflection, and candid discussion. A disclaimer, these are not a strict linear formula going mechanically from one thing to the next. As Don just mentioned, the goal of life is intimacy, relationship with God. And so there's words that we're using to try to be helpful in putting into practice the truth that Jesus speaks about the gospel, the repent and believe, but it's not a formula. It's not like, okay, I've done some observation. Okay, now reflection. Okay, now discussion, and I move out of it. It's, it's an it's a ebb and a flow, a back and a forth. These things will be present when repentance is healthy. That's the idea. And there is a caution as well. We don't want to force this process to be faster than the Holy Spirit wants it to be. We want to move with the Spirit. Typically, the bigger the the kairos moment in our life, the slower the process is going to be because God's transforming us. Each of these terms has lots of scripture that goes with it where you can think about different scriptures, and we should be thinking about different scriptures that call us to these kind of postures and actions as part of repentance. We're not going to go into all of them today because there's way too much. But the challenge is think about these things. Does it not resonate with with good fruit, with biblical wisdom, with truth of how we can get into the nitty-gritty of life and do repentance well? Allow God to change our minds as we ask that question, God, what are you saying to me? So let's start with sober observation. As we're going through life, if we want to have our minds transformed, we have to be willing to make sober observations about our life. In other words, if you are kind of digging your heels in the ground with, I'm going to stay in the status quo then guess what? You are. <laughs> and, and the repentance ultimately has a humility to it because it's saying, God, how do you want me to grow? How do you want to change my mind? So I'm open to sober observations where does my life line up with the fruit of the Spirit? Does my life line up with the power 
of the Spirit? Does my life line up with all the different ways that the Bible describes what it looks like for the kingdom of God to break in and transform our life? Well, the answer for all of us is no way. I mean, just read the passage about the fruit of the Spirit. Are you walking in all of that every day? No. Read Matthew 5 to 7 and the Sermon on the Mount. Are you walking in the fullness of all that every day? No. But sometimes, based on some of those reasons Don mentioned about like shame and guilt and, and our identity isn't secure in who Christ really is in us, where because he's perfect, there is no shame and guilt and we're forgiven, so now we can courageously face the reality of where we're not because it's just good news of where God's going to take us. But we've got to be willing to have sober observations. Honest assessments where you make observations about, you know what? That wasn't the fruit of the Spirit that just overflowed out of me. That was anger. That was bitterness. That was wrath. That was jealousy. That was lust. And we got to be willing to stop in those moments or let the Spirit stop us, not in shame and condemnation, but in the, in the Spirit whispering, I've got better for you. But oftentimes when our identity is not so secure, we won't go to those sober, sober observations because we're so scared of it. We'll just sweep it under the rug and be like, oh, that was ugly. Let's just, just get away from that as soon as possible. But if we're not willing to have those sober observations, we're not going to get transformed. So the different way to look at it as we're willing to go through life and allow God, allow the Spirit to, to put his finger on those sober observations anything that's less than heavenly, and, and here's the way we look at it. God wants better for us, so we don't need to run from it. We can run to it under his grace, and it gives us this courage to say, you know what? I don't have to accept anything in my life that's less than heavenly. I don't have to accept this pain. I don't have to accept this hurt. I don't have to accept this fear. That's not God's will. God's good news is that I would be transformed as it is in heaven, so also on earth. And it starts with being willing to have those sober observations of what is less than heavenly. Because there's good news that God wants better for you. For me, this process, the sober observation portion of it, it's twofold and it's in tandem. As we were talking about, this entire side of the learning circle is under the umbrella of revelation. So oftentimes, we can't see to have sober observations or sober assessments. And so my prayer always is, you know, God is such a good dad. And he wants to give us more of the kingdom. So I regularly ask him, you know, according to his word, according to Romans 12, God, renew my mind. Thank you that you are renewing my mind. Because, you know, when we're stuck in our mindsets, we don't know what we don't know. And we can't see what we can't see. And we've been walking a certain way with certain mindsets and th certain thought patterns for a long time, and they've just become the status quo, accepted and normal. 
And so I feel like the most powerful prayer that I pray on a daily basis, regular basis, you know, sometimes I forget every day. It's not with the Holy Spirit. It's not about doing everything just right by formula. It's a relationship. But a regular part of my prayer life is renew my mind, transform my mind, show me your ways. And then I feel the Spirit drawing me through Him speaking directly to me or others that I trust, even my children. <laughs> when, you know, when your children learn to hear the, hear the Holy Spirit, it's pretty amazing when they speak to you the very things that the Holy Spirit's been telling you. But um, just a regular invitation. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, inviting him to come in, inviting him to come in, to show you his way, to give you his eyes, to soften your heart. This is in no way a sober observation where we are supposed to be militant on our own and handling this on our own and in our own strength. And if that's the way that we're doing it, then we're operating apart from the Holy Spirit. And we're right up there with those guys that Jesus was talking about that did all the great works, you know? So there's really a grace. There's a grace, you know, come to the throne of grace. He is the, this is the gospel of grace. He is the God of grace. And he says, he beckons us. He welcomes us with the open, loving arms of a father to come to the throne of grace every single day. And, and it is so beautiful. It's such a beautiful invitation. And, and the second part is the sober observation. Does my life line up with the fruit of the Spirit? That as well is a regular part of how both of us process and filter life. Every thought, every emotion, Jesus, is this your best for me? Is this according to your word? And so bringing all of that under the rule and reign of Christ. And so, you know, because we're conscious of, especially when we have negative thoughts, negative emotions, negative mindsets. And that for me is an automatic ding, 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 ding. God has better for me. And there is no condemnation because he's our good daddy and he loves when we come to the throne of grace. Amen. Yep. That's a good word. A prayer, if you want to put sober observation in in biblical terms, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, examine me, and know, reveal my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Do you see the hope in that? It's not 
reveal, see if there's any grievous way in me, you know, point out how I'm a loser so I can just feel bad about myself and stay there. No, not at all. There's a courage because even in the Old Testament, he knows the heart of the Father. He knows the good news, which is if God reveals anything, it's because he wants to heal it. He reveals because he heals. So he's saying, reveal it so you can lead me in the way everlasting. I want the way everlasting, God. I don't want my way. I don't want my strength. I'm not good enough. (laughs) I want your abundant life. And that's the courage that the psalmist had. It's the courage we can have to say, God, reveal what you want to reveal. We sang this right here. We just sang this. Spirit break out. Break my walls down. That's the prayer right here. It's that I want to live in freedom, God. I want to live in power. If there's anything holding me back from the fullness of freedom and good fruit and courage and power that you have, when it, when it flows out of me, point it out, please. Point it out loud. Help me have some sober observation about it. so that I Because I don't want to keep living in that rut, in that stinky fruit. I want Holy Spirit fruit flowing out of me. And you are the way everlasting. Yes. <laughs> Just one second. One last thought on that. And it's a perspective. And I would invite you that if you feel anything negative in your heart, any fear that wells up when God shows you an area that needs transformation... I would invite you specifically to welcome the Holy Spirit into that area to ask him to show you his truth because he reveals because he loves. He doesn't reveal because you're bad. He reveals because he loves. He loves you so deeply that he doesn't want us to sit in whatever brokenness I was going to say slimy caca poo-poo, but he said brokenness and that. (laughs) He loves us so much that he wants to pick us up and he wants to clean us off and he wants to renew us from the inside out so that we have a completely different song to sing. We have new insides. Amen. Brave reflection. You can see how this would be the next step, right? Sober observation would lead to brave reflection where from the moment where God reveals something, you can feel it, you can sense it, something less than heavenly, the fruit of the Spirit's not there, there's some junk that's flowing out of you. As the Holy Spirit gently reveals that because he's going to heal it, There's another piece of that process is the brave reflection, which asks the question, why? Why am I feeling this way right now? Why did I respond that way? My child said this, and man, I responded in a way that was awful. My wife said this, and man, I responded in a way I'm embarrassed of. Something happened at work, and man, I responded in a way. It was like, ah, oh, man, I really blew it. Why did I respond that way? That's a, that's a brave question. It takes courage to be able to face. Maybe I've got a hurt. 
Maybe I've got a fear. Maybe I've got a wound. Maybe I'm believing a lie about myself, about others, about God. A lie about myself that maybe I, I'm, I, I can't handle it. Not even in God's strength. I, I, could never, I could never do it, so I'm just gonna quit. That's why I just wanna quit at work. Or a lie about someone else. Oh, I, you just can't trust people. They're gonna keep hurting you. So you re- recoil with distance. Or a fear of, you know, no provision because God doesn't really provide. He doesn't really, he's not really gonna come through even though you're praying a lot. So that's why you've, you've stopped praying that prayer for God to come through on that provision. Lie, lie, lie. Hurt, hurt, hurt. Wound, wound, wound. That's what life does to us. But God is here to heal, renew, transform, redeem, bring a new way of life. But we're not going to get there if we pretend that we're already there. And so that's where the, the brave reflection comes, where we're willing to say, why did I respond that way? Is there a lie, God? Is there a lie that you want to renew my mind from? And that's what this whole thing's about, right? Renewing our mind. God bringing the truth. God's bringing his truth to us. Setting us free from a lie that we believe about ourselves, about others, about God. Those are usually the three culprits. (laughs) Yourself, others, or God. When you're responding badly, there's almost always a root of a lie that's in there about yourself, others, or God, that God's wanting to bring repentance, a metanoia, a changing of your mind, a replacing and a renewing with his truth. But you got to be brave. You got to face it. That's good. That's good? Well, thank you. All right. Let's move on then. Candid discussion. I knew it was impossible. I was just letting it I was just letting it marinate for a minute. What I have to add is in the same vein. Holy Spirit empowered. Always Holy Spirit empowered. And in that brave reflection, come into the arms of your heavenly daddy. It's not alone. You know, I get to see every day a beautiful, you know, father and son relationship. He is, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, he doesn't get embarrassed, but he's like this warm sunshine that everybody just kind of revolves around in our home. We all just want to get close to him and talk to him. And um, we have a house full of extroverts, save for our oldest son. And so all three of the extroverts, myself and Daniel and Paxton, we're just always like, we, we're always, we want his attention and we just want to talk to him. We just want to talk, 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 talk. And for whatever reason, because all of us are extroverts and we love to talk, there's just, and he's an extrovert as well, but there's just something so warm about his presence and we almost fight for it. It's hilarious. Um, I mean, the kids love to talk to me and I love to talk to them, but it reminds me of the goodness of our Heavenly Father. He's so warm. Our Papa God wants us to come onto his lap like children. And where the brave reflection may seem scary to go into those places 
It may seem scary and like it's going to pull up old triggers. It may be terrifying to you. You may be feeling like, I don't know that I want to know why I'm acting this way. I don't know if I want to go there. But we can trust that he's the Savior, that he's the Deliverer, and that he's the one who died so that he never had to be separated from us, so that he could hug us and love us when we're dirty and mottled and we have dust all over our faces. So the brave reflection is never isolated and apart from the Holy Spirit. Let it always be in the arms of your loving Father. Let it always be looking into the eyes of your Father, saying, what do you want to teach me? Holy Spirit, what's the lie that I'm believing here? What's the lie? Holy Spirit, what's the truth? that you want to give me in exchange. Probably lastly here, and we'll pause it for the day, candid discussion. Get wise counsel from trusted sources. That's that candid honest discussion where we allow trusted people to enter in with us and be those one another's for us that are all over the New Testament. Speak the truth in love to one another. Bear one another's burdens. Confess your sin to one another. Pray for one another. Now, this is not for everyone. The more vulnerable it is and more precious, the smaller that group is. Wise counsel from trusted sources. You don't just go air your dirty laundry to anyone. They are not trusted. Trust is earned in healthy relationships. So this is get wise counsel from trusted sources. And the more deep it is, the more vulnerable it is, the smaller that group's going to be. You get to pick your friends, so pick wisely. You don't have to share anything. Pick Holy Spirit-filled, wise, Holy Spirit-fruit-producing people and be a good friend to them so that you earn their trust, and they'll probably earn yours. But this is huge because we need candid discussion because at times we don't know what we don't know, right? We can't see what we can't see. We need one another in the body of Christ. Now, get in the word. That reveals lots of stuff that we don't always see. Ask the Holy Spirit to be speaking. That's huge as well. But if you're going through life on a solo mission, you're missing out, bottom line. If you don't have wise counsel, trusted sources, you are not going to be be transforming and encountering God in the fullness of what God wants for you. That's why one another's are all over the New Testament when it paints the picture of community. So you're just holding yourself back and what God wants to do in you of bringing more of heaven to transform your life. But we need to be wise about it, but man, do we need it. And what a gift it is. 
when we can have candid conversations and it brings truth. It's like, whoa, that's awesome. I didn't see that. Even though I read the Bible, I didn't see that. Even though I asked the Holy Spirit, I didn't see that. So there's candid conversations that are just so important in our life. And so that's a huge part. You really can't say that that God wants to answer the question, what is God saying to you, especially on big issues, without trusted community involved. In all of these conversations, I would invite you to always ask the Holy Spirit to be present. Because as in everything, what we are wanting is fellowship with him. We're not asking people so that they can give us their strategies as much as they may have great wisdom from their experience We trust that the Holy Spirit and how he operates through the body, that the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking, bringing things to mind to that person as they share with you. So there's a beautiful fellowship as we come to one another and as we share these things that we are, you know, pursuing growth in, as we share things that God, you know, reveals to us that we need transformation in, as we share the process and the journey that we're on. And there is an explosive power that is unleashed when we come in vulnerability with one another asking for help, inviting the Holy Spirit as we are together to come and to speak. Can I add one more thing? I have, I mean, some of the most powerful transformations in my life come because of close and trusted friends, and not just him, because I believe that there's power and there's always a peace that I get from different personalities. Um, I'm going to embarrass her right there. So Laura and I are very similar in that we are very militant and very gung-ho. And we love truth. And the most loving thing in our mind is to just speak the truth, right? And the rest of the world, probably 98 or 99.9%, is not so wired like that. And they would appreciate more grace spoken in the words than we would naturally gravitate towards. And so the way that we would do things can be completely off-putting. And so it's really funny because I'll go to her and we'll hear from the Lord. You know, hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm feeling a lot of anxiety this week. I'm really worried about this. And it's a regular thing, you know. And, and I have multiple people that have been my, you know, trusted, close and safe spaces for a long time. And, um, but very frequently, because we are wired so similarly, I'll get off the phone. Yeah, this is what I'm doing. But I've learned enough to know that I want to bring it to a safe and trusted group. So, I bring it to 
Owen Barrios, the other two in the back. The other two, this is a funny example. There was an example recently, not recent, I mean a couple months ago, where I was, there was a situation and I was, you know, off the phone with her and yes, this is what I'm going to do. So Mike and Alicia are at our house and, um, you know, I'm talking about it. Hey guys, I, I want to ask, what do you think? What are you sensing from the Holy Spirit? What do you see in my life? What do you see in, you know, in the fruit and, and stuff like this? And, you know, I just said, yeah, so this is what I think I'm going to do. And their response, no, no, do not do that. That will blow up in your face. And, you know, and I just think it's funny because it doesn't matter how mature we are or how long we have been walking with the Holy Spirit. We are not made to do it alone. And every part of the body, especially the ones that God has really blessed us with close fellowship with, God gives us treasures through them. Treasures that transform our lives and treasures that carry, they are the treasures. They carry the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, are we getting to the part about weighing, about testing it? Okay. okay, so, and with all of this advice and with all of the, I don't want to say it's just advice because, you know, we're talking about encountering God and being a vessel of the Holy Spirit when we come to each other to get, to have this candid discussion, but it always is going to come down to us taking what has been shared and going to the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, Show me, you know, show me your way. Give me your eyes to see. Give me your strategy. And so it always comes down to a freedom of us being on an adventure with God where there may be a number of maps that we're given and a lot of really good counsel, but it, there's always the power in our own intimacy as we decipher with God and hold his hand, figuring out how he wants to walk, how he wants us to walk this out with him. So we're going to close for today. Um, This is just gold. Like, I I, I can't even possibly imagine not living with this. I mean, we, this is literally daily of like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. What's your perspective? And to have that, I mean, it's, utter gold from the Lord. And it's that simple to where when you have someone trusted, it's you just go and you say, hey, I'm thinking about this. I'd like to get your perspective. Hey, I'm wondering about this question in life. Hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm concerned about this. I'd like to get your feedback, your input, your perspective. It's that simple. And I would, one admonition, if you get blessed with the privilege of being on that receiving end of someone asking you, Slow down. Don't just give them your advice. That's a holy moment that you've been invited into. So steward it well by doing your best to check in with the Spirit. That you're not just your advice onto them, but you're taking a holy moment and saying, whoa, I've been invited into a very privileged space here of being a part of the Holy Spirit speaking to someone, bringing repentance, bringing God's truth. I don't want to just blither and blather at them. 
Holy Spirit, would you help me hear from you for them? And there's grace along the journey. That's why it's weighed. You know, we all, we, we, we weigh it. If you're wrong, that's okay. And like Don shared, multiple different strengths and personalities and friendships weighed together. But take it as that holy moment that, that you get to, to enter into. And as we do that, as we grow in that, this is why it's discipleship in community. We need each other for this. God designed us to be transformed at an exponentially greater measure when we're doing this together. So we're going to pause there for today. We'll pray and head on out. In those situations, always make time to pray. Always make time to pray. Sometimes I'll start by praying because someone will come to me and I'm like, I don't know. Let's just go ask God. Let's just be quiet together. Sometimes the Holy Spirit brings things to mind as we're in the conversation and I'm feeling like, you know, he's really speaking. But either way, we always take that holy moment and treasured opportunity to really see the breakthrough of his promise when he says that when two or more gather in my name, I will be there. So I would say always seal it with a prayer, even if you feel like you've gotten so much of God's heart through that conversation. There's just always a big kiss from God with the prayer time. Pray it. Okay. Are you sorry? Nope. <laughs> okay. Jesus. I was singing.